Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Explanation Staff Edition. I'm going to be talking about just like vomiting and diarrhea for today. So that way we can tell like how to ask people about questions about how to tell if they're having vomiting and diarrhea. And also for the receptionist too, like what you can tell owners on the phone as well. Let's talk about like how first can you tell if the pet is actually having vomiting. So this is really interesting because you would think that you would just normally be able to tell. If they vomit, you'd be able to tell. There's actually three different distinct types of vomiting. So the first one is true vomiting. True vomiting is you see the pet just like their whole abdomen is like retching, like their whole body is moving. It's very dramatic when you see this. And that is like true vomiting. Stuff comes up from their mouth, very true vomiting. Versus regurgitation is like a very silent thing. So they'll maybe just be walking and then just suddenly spit stuff up. It's you don't see that whole dramatic abdomen moving like it's very quiet so the third thing is going to be coughing again you would think that coughing is very easy like the dog coughed obviously i know what a cough sounds like but but people don't always know so think about kennel cough um, a lot of times they'll be like it looks like they're retching because they're trying to cough something up but it looks like they're trying like they're vomiting trying to retch and then white foam comes up so there are three very distinct things when it comes to vomiting so some of the questions to ask them are like, what did the pet look like when they were vomiting? Because they'll come in and say they vomited. And that's what you write down on your history, right? When you're doing triage, but that may not be the correct thing. And this is one of the things that I asked them for each one of the pets, what their vomiting was. What did you see? Did you see their belly moving? What did you see come out of them? Because that is very important to know like what, what it is that they're doing. I need to know the difference between true vomiting versus retching versus coughing versus regurgitation. So that, that way I know what the next diagnostics are going to be and then also how to treat this as well. The next thing is diarrhea. So let's talk about what diarrhea is. Again, you'd be like, I know what diarrhea is. It's like just watery stool. But it's also important to know like what the pet is doing. One of the most common things that dogs come in for is constipation. But 90% of them are not constipated. 90% of them are diarrhea. Because what the owner sees is that they're going outside and they're straining to defecate. They're straining and nothing is coming out for what they see. That's their perception of it. But in reality, what's happening is that they're, uh, they're just like have this urge to have to go. And so they'll go outside and they'll just have like little tiny spots of diarrhea. But the owner doesn't see like a big stool. So they assume that they're trying to go and can't so instead you know going outside and like looking to see did little tiny spots come out because that's going to tell you it's diarrhea not constipation so just asking them like when they say my dog is constipated what did you see did you see them going outside did you see them did you see them straining did you see anything coming out did you go over to look to see if anything came out things like that there's obviously going to be some diarrhea that's very obvious. They came home and there's just like a puddle of diarrhea on the ground. And yeah, we can say they're diarrhea then. But like I said, a lot of people present for constipation and it is not constipation. It is usually diarrhea. The only way that I can truly tell is to do a rectal on them. And then I'll be able to get a stool sample to see because like a lot of times it'll just be watery diarrhea. Or let's say it's there for constipation. The owners don't know 100% if anything came out. Well, when you go to do your temperature, you'll probably see a really liquidy stool on there, right? 
So that's a good way to know that it's diarrhea and tell us too that there was liquidy stool. That way we don't have to go do a rectal afterwards and like we'll know that it was diarrhea and not constipation. All right. Some of the most common things for vomiting and diarrhea, there's so many things that can cause vomiting and diarrhea, but some of the most common things that we're going to see are things like the pet eating people food. They, especially around Thanksgiving time here, they're going to get into a lot of people food and then, or people give them people food and that causes vomiting and diarrhea because there's, they're usually giving something that's very fatty and not something that that pet is used to. So let's say they give them, you know, the turkey, that turkey, most of the time they're injecting butter into them. They have um, spices and stuff on the outside of it. And it is no longer a bland bird, which would normally be a very bland protein. It is now very fatty. So we need to make sure that they are not getting into those types of things, that they aren't getting into anything fatty. And if they are, that's one of the big reasons for that. The second big reason is like things that they get into outside. Rabbit poop, certain leaves and branches. Rhododendrons are very commonly known like to cause vomiting and diarrhea. Mushrooms, certain types of mushrooms cause vomiting and diarrhea as well. And we definitely have a lot of mushrooms out right now. So just knowing if there's anything like that in the yard. Objects. So if the pet ate an object, like a toy, a kid's toy, um, tampons are another big common one, corn cobs, things like that, then those are going to be another big reason to have vomiting and diarrhea. Lots of people think that they're constipated with that, but most of the time they can move like little bits of, of stuff around that object. Toxins like chocolate is a common one. We all know about parvo, so our super infectious things like parvovirus, salmon poisoning, those are going to cause vomiting and diarrhea. And then other big illnesses, so things like liver problems, kidney problems, problems with the pancreas, or also pyometras. Pyometras often cause vomiting and diarrhea as well. So those dogs that are not spayed end up having an infection of the uterus, which causes the vomiting and diarrhea. So some of the things that you can ask them as like a triage technician or as a receptionist are some open-ended questions about that. Do you know of anything that your pet could have gotten into? Do you know of anything that they have eaten recently? And then I start going into, if they don't, they don't, they don't know. I start asking more specific questions. Do they get people food? Is there any mushrooms in the backyard? Hopefully beforehand asking them if they have any vaccines to make sure they are up to date on vaccines. And I never trust when somebody says they're up to date on vaccines. If I ask them, uh, tell me about their vaccine status is usually the best way to ask that open-ended question instead of saying, are they up to date on vaccines? Because most people do not understand what up to date on vaccines means. They'll say, yeah, my pet got one parvovirus vaccine when they were six weeks old. But that's not up to date, right? They don't, so they don't know what up to date means. So usually asking them what their vaccines status is like, what, what vaccines they've had, not are they up to date? So we want to make sure that they've had, if they're a puppy, that they've had it from a vet hospital as well, not from the breeder and not from the, the tractor supply company, because you don't know what they have done with those vaccines. You have no idea if they have actually kept them correctly. We've had many, many dogs that have had parvovirus because they are vaccinated from either places like the tractor supply company or from um, the breeder and they weren't handled correctly. 
And then also just looking at their signalment. If it is a younger dog, I'm going to be worried more about parvovirus. If it's an older dog, I might be worried more about liver problems and kidney problems. Or making sure if the dog is not spayed, that I'm looking to ask them, like, when was her last heat cycle? So we know those things as well. Have you seen any, like, vaginal discharge? So we can kind of, like, ask some of those more specific questions after we've asked some of those open-ended questions. So now the next big thing is, like, when to tell them it's important to come in. So if they've had multiple occurrences of vomiting, let's say that they've just vomited multiple times over and over again, they can't keep water down when they're vomiting. That's a big thing to me to come in immediately because I worry that they're going to get dehydrated very quickly. And also I worry that there's something stuck in there. Another big thing is if they're vomiting more within a 12-hour time period. Let's say they vomited in the morning, they went all day, didn't vomit at all, but then suddenly right before they go to bed, they vomit again. Then I start worrying again, like there might be something else that's going on, especially if they hadn't had any food during that period of time. Diarrhea for more than 24 hours, and the owner has been actually doing something about it. Let's say they've been having diarrhea. They've been on a bland diet, and they've done some of the other things that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Then I start worrying again more about the diarrhea. There's something else going on. If they're really lethargic, they just don't really want to move. Um, again, I'm worried about that because a lot of times they'll vomit and then they'll just go right around and play, right? They seem to be back to normal again. If there's any blood in the vomitor stool, that's another big concern because if they have blood in there, we worry about things like a clotting problem or a problem with their platelets, which is really important for making blood clots. And then also if they have had parasite seeds, let's say they have roundworms or tapeworms. Dr. Z is going to be talking to us about some parasite stuff here in a couple of weeks. But roundworms are really long spaghetti-like worms, and tapeworms are really short rice-like worms. So either of those do need to be seen. It's not something that they have to come in on an emergency to be seen for, but they should be seen pretty quickly. If they're really painful, if the owner says that they're just like, they're doing like that down dog stance, or they're just um, hunched over, they don't want their belly touched, then I'd, again, they should probably come in. If they know that they ate something, like they they say, hey, my dog ate a sock about two days ago and now it's vomiting. Do you think that's a problem? Yes, that is a problem. If they know that they ate something, they should come in so we can get some x-rays on them. Dehydration is another big one. People will always talk about their nose being wet. That does not matter. It doesn't matter if their nose is wet or not, wet or dry. That does not tell you if they are dehydrated or not. The ways that they can actually check to see if they're dehydrated is one, just check their gums. So put their finger on the gums and see if it's moist. If it is, then they're probably hydrated. If it's really dry or tacky is what we call it, then they're probably dehydrated. And another big thing for that is I tell people to try to do that, not right after they've drank something, because they could be dehydrated and then go drink water and then they, they check their gums and they're like, oh, they're wet, so they're okay. Not necessarily. The other thing is just checking their tent of their skin. So basically when you pull up on their, the back of the skin between their shoulder blades, it should go back right away. And if it doesn't, then I worry about them being dehydrated. But the thing is, is that neither one of these tests, like checking for their gums and also checking for the skin tint, is very accurate, unfortunately. You can have older cats who have thyroid problems or kidney problems that if I pulled up on the back of their skin, they could be completely hydrated. But if I pull up on their skin, it's not going to move like because that's just the way that their skin is. Fat dogs, they can be very dehydrated, but if I pull up on their skin, uh, it goes right back down because the weight of the fat just like, brings it down. 
those aren't really like great ways to tell if they're dehydrated, but something that the owner can do at home to try to help tell. And then, so if they see any of those things, definitely tell them to bring them in because I really worry about those dogs having vomiting or diarrhea. If they ask about some things that they can do at home, there are some things that they can do at home. If they're vomiting, I tell them to take away their food for 12 hours at least to see if they can settle their stomach. If they aren't vomiting in that period of time, then we can start giving them a bland diet if that's the case. If they're just having diarrhea, not vomiting, you don't have to take away their food. We'll just put them on a bland diet. So that bland diet, if they want to do an at-home thing, it should be like a, a boiled chicken breast, boiled, boneless, skinless chicken breast. No skin, no bones, no seasoning, no butter, nothing. It has to be very plain and boiled. Don't bake it. Don't put it in the air fryer. Just boil it. So you want to keep as much fat off of it as possible and boiling it will do that. They can also go out and get like canned chicken. So in the tuna aisle, there'll be canned chicken. It'll say chicken and water, not the chicken and oil, but chicken and water. They can get at that as well if they don't want to make it. And then so they can use that chicken breast with cooked rice. White rice, brown rice doesn't really matter as much. Probably more white rice than brown rice, but it doesn't really matter that much. And the volume is one to one. And a good example of this is let's say they feed the dog one cup of food in the morning, one cup of food in the evening. Instead, they're going to feed half a cup of chicken breast, half a cup of rice in the morning, half a cup of chicken breast, half a cup of rice in the evening. So basically, it's the same amount that they were getting before, just half of it chicken, half of it rice. And this should only be short term. This is for a few days. This is not for like weeks at a time or anything, or even a week at a time. There is not enough nutrients and minerals and all the good things that we need to be able to let the body heal just in chicken and rice. So if they are going to be on it for longer than two days, then they should be on a bland diet, like canned food, wet food instead. So those examples are going to be like Purina EN, or the ones that we have are Hills ID and Royal Canin GI Low Fat. Those are the most common ones, and those are okay to do. We can, we can also give them extra of them for a couple of days if, if they're like, hey, can I just have a few extra for the next time? That's okay, right? We want to be able to give them something that's going to give them more nutrients. Other things that they can do if for some reason they can't do boneless chicken breasts, or let's say it's a cat, cats just don't eat chicken as much. They can do low-fat cottage cheese is fine, or they can do scrambled egg whites, not the whole egg, just egg whites. It, it, the yolk is what has the most fat in it. So we don't want to do the, the yolk. So just egg whites. And then they just need to like transition back to their regular food over a couple of daytime period if they're doing well. So if they stop vomiting, stop having diarrhea, they can just transition back to their old food. Another thing that they can do specifically for diarrhea is the Xylem husk powder. So that's shown to help improve diarrhea because it actually bulks up the stool. Um, pumpkin doesn't work very well for that. It does have some fiber to it, but it doesn't usually work well to bulk up the stool. This can be purchased pretty much anywhere. It can be purchased over the counter. I found it at multiple grocery stores before. So you just have to make sure it's the xylem husk powder only. Let them know it cannot have xylitol in it or any sort of sweetener added to it. It should only be the xylem husk powder. The dosage for that is going to be two grams for small dogs, four grams for medium dogs, and six grams for large dogs with each meal 
until their stool starts to form up again. And I do usually tell people that they have to remember that the their stool is going to be hard for a couple of days, or they may not have stool for a couple of days. It will look like they're constipated when they're really not. And the reason for that is because that all that stool is getting the water pulled from it. And so it's starting to harden up. And so it looks like they're having having constipation when really they're just just need a couple of days before they have a normal stool. So it is okay if they don't have stool for about two or three days. I know that that is a very common thing that the receptionists get questioned about is my dog hasn't had a stool for three days. What do I do? And they just had diarrhea. Okay. That's not a big deal. They'll, they'll most likely have a stool after that. It should be okay. Another big thing is to tell people not to use a dropper or a syringe to feed them. Uh, a lot of people will, will syringe feed and then they push it into the back of their throat. And uh, people don't realize that the trachea or the windpipe starts right here in the back of the throat. So if you try to squeeze water into them or food into them and they inhale it rather than, than swallowing it because they don't have that. Think about if somebody's putting something over your face, your first instinct is to inhale, not to swallow. That's exactly what they're doing. Their first instinct is to inhale. They inhale that food or their water. Now we have vomiting, diarrhea, and an aspiration pneumonia. So we don't want them to feed them with a dropper and stuff. People will say that they're not getting enough water when they're eating this like canned foods or they're eating chicken and rice. But there's actually a lot of water in canned food and there's a lot of water in chicken and rice as compared to your dry food that they would normally be feeding. So it's okay if they're not drinking as much water because they're actually getting a lot of water from that food that we're feeding them. So like I said, they don't have to worry about that. Just just have them do just chicken and rice. Don't You don't have to supplement with foods and stuff. All right. So I usually have a story for you, but I'm actually going to tell you about turkeys because this is what's coming up is Thanksgiving. And I thought there was like, some interesting turkey facts that I just wanted to talk to you about. So. The turkey facts that I have for you is uh, so that you can talk to people about this over Thanksgiving dinner, of course. The turkey facts that I have for you is one, did you know that, so we're going to talk about wild turkeys, not not the farmed turkeys, because wild turkeys are very different. So there are two main types of wild turkeys. So there's the North American wild turkey, and there's the oscillated turkey of Central America. And from there, there are different types of turkeys, like subspecies of them. But they all come back to two main types, the North American wild turkey and the oscillated turkey in Central America. Some interesting things about them is we we all know that they say gobble, gobble. Females and males do that, by the way. It's not just the males that, that gobble. But they also have other interesting sounds like clucks and yelps and kikis and purrs. You can also tell the sex of the turkey by its droppings. Here is the main thing that you're going to talk about right at Thanksgiving is turkey poop. A male, you can tell because they have a J-shaped poop, and females have a spiral shape. Also, the larger the droppings are, the older the turkey is. There you go. You're welcome. Now you have something to talk about over Thanksgiving dinner. The other interesting things about them is they are really fast. So we think about turkeys who are farmed turkeys. They are supposed to be fat. Like that is the goal is we're trying to fatten them up so that we can eat them right but wild turkeys are not fat. They're actually not very big at all. And they can run at about 18 miles per hour, which is really fast for a bird. They can also fly for short periods of time at 50 miles an hour. 
weekend super fast for a bird. Wild turkeys also sleep in trees, so they can't see very well at night. Uh, so they do have to sleep in trees to try to help protect themselves from predators. But during the day, they actually have very, very good eyesight, and that's what helps them. They can actually see three and a half times better than what we can. And then the other interesting thing is that in the 1900s, they did almost go extinct uh, through all the hunting of them for just regular meals. People started going away from eating a lot of the bison and you know, red meats, cows, things like that. So they started doing more poultry, but turkeys were bigger than chickens, obviously, so that you could get more meat from them. So they preferred to eat turkeys at that point. And they went from about 200,000 turkeys left to now about 6.5 million turkeys because we've gone through a lot of conservation and having turkey farming and stuff to try to help make sure we can keep those wild turkeys as wild turkeys. All right, guys, that is all I have for you for today. So hopefully you have learned some interesting things and you can use the turkey poop fact when you are eating Thanksgiving with all of your family. All right. If you have any questions, as always, you know, come to me, let me know, email me, text me, find me on Facebook, whatever it is that you need to do. I'm more than happy to talk to you about your questions and make more podcasts specifically for you. And if you are listening to this on the podcast, just, you know, we also do a YouTube podcast. I have sent out the links to it many times for many different episodes, but there is also the YouTube ones and Sean puts in funny little videos and stuff in there as well for you guys, specifically for you guys, because I know that I can't do that on the, the client side of this. So we just do like funnier ones for you guys. Okay. So again, let me know. And then in a couple of weeks here, we're going to have Dr. Z on. She's going to be talking to us about fleas. And we're also going to be having a doctor from the Humane Society talk to us about just Humane Society stuff, what it is like there. And then also her financial person is going to be there as well to talk about finances too. All right, guys. Again, have a great Thanksgiving. And if you have any questions, always come find me and we will talk to you soon.